This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Corona calls in with a shot blocked in front. Rebound for Miller. Run by Vasilevsky. Then Messer scores. Hughes darting down the wall behind the Tampa Bay goal. Out the right wing side. High slot. Messer one timer. He scores. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Messer left wing at center. He shoots and he fired it over the goal. Trying to complete the hat trick into the empty net. Now Hoaglander shoots off the right wing. That missed the target as well. Besser was on target, but it went over the net. Now Hughes in his own zone. Left wing to center. Besser's got another chance. He scores! And the hats come flying down at Rogers Arena. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Brock Besser with a hat trick of the 21 goals in 29 games. Lightning hot, beating the Tampa Bay Lightning here tonight at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And we are going to welcome in Brett Festerling into the conversation in just a moment. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. The Canucks improved to 16-0 when leading after the the second period and they're expertly snuffing teams out in the third and Brett we'll get to Brock Besser terrific performance what a run by the kid but how the Canucks are closing games out I mean this is becoming a pretty impressive trend here for this Vancouver team yeah I think if you remember the the interview with Cole after last game he's saying you know I, th- I think we want to make a few more plays but if it's not there we're content to just get it out live to fight another day make the smart play in the moment and I think they're doing a really good job of that up the walls winning puck battles kind of at the blue line just to get it into the neutral zone you saw a lot of face-offs I don't know who why they how they pre-gamed it yeah but there were so many rims to the far side off face-offs in the D zone so they obviously saw something there where forwards could go get that chip it out or get in the neutral zone so yeah they did a fantastic job of playing 20 guys and, and in their system so many contributors throughout the course of the evening with whatever it was, right? Not just on the scores sheet. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the rims and, you know, Hoaglander, he actually does wind up getting assist on that play anyways, but he, he's there on that play. You know, Noel Jolson had a couple of big clears. You know, Kuzmenko obviously gets the goal, but he, in the first period, he was really good just uh, getting the puck out and dumping it in, and then the forecheck in the second period. Like, you can pick someone who's like, oh, this guy did this tonight. This guy did this tonight. Throughout the whole evening, everyone was chipping in with something. Yeah, no passengers, right? There was, and Kuzmenko, I think you're alluded to, he made a really good defensive play in the first yep. right after the goal, which, you know, it c- could lead to a great A chance uh, yeah. right on away. On Stamkos, too. Not on just anyone. It was on Stamkos. Yeah, exactly. So it's a big play. Well, and, you know, that play, just in general, too, it just showed how connected he was with his teammates. You see him sometimes blow the zone, and he was just over the blue line, but not far enough where he couldn't come back. And when we talk about details, Brett, and the coach impresses details on him and positioning, being aware, and being able to close down on guys, it's literally the difference of being, what, two or three feet into the neutral zone and you're not making that play again and being tight enough to, to be able to recover and make plays like that to help out your teammates. Yeah, the margin's so small at this level. You see guys like Besser's really good at yeah. it. There's guys literally on him. They have sticks on him, and he's scoring in those soft spots, right? So that margin for error is so small. But, yeah, the fact that Kuzmingo's recognizing he's getting that soft zone where he can still have the offensive opportunity if it's there, but he, was, he watches the play, recognizes he can get back in a better position, and he does it. So uh, he, he played well tonight. 
I know we're going to spend a lot of time throughout the post-game show talking about Brock Besser. Uh, you know, the thing I loved with that goal that he scored where Hughes sets him up is you watch him track that whole play, and he, like, times it perfectly of when. Hughes is coming around the post of when to just push and be available for him. And it's not the heaviest shot, but it's actually really well placed you know, at that post and about that level 18 inches off the pad, below the blocker. Uh, it was just so well done, and, you know, he's feeling it right now. He's so good at being out of that box and then timing that into those soft spots. It's so hard to track for those forwards, especially he's outside where either the forward or the D-men are having to have their head on a swivel, right? They're going back and forth, they're pucking him, and then as soon as they go back to the puck, he's in the box in the soft spot, and then there's that small margin. They're a foot off, and he's getting those shots off. He had another one that Vasilevsky made a really good stop in the second as well. Well, On the power play? On the power play. Well, well, the way he takes that path, takes it off his skate, and then he shoots it right away. Just the confidence he's playing with, and he's able to get that shot off in traffic even. Besser's not the fastest player, right? He looks quicker this year. He's moving his feet better. It was always about him getting in the right spot, using his, his anticipation. And he's a very talented hockey player. It's more about how engaged he is. And this year, his focus is... It has been has been very impressive. Yeah, and confidence, right? I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. Confidence is so big as a professional athlete. That's the roller coaster. If, you, if you're feeling good and you're feeling confident, like you can do it, you'll do it. And you're watching it with Kuzmenko. That's a guy, to me, that looked like he's struggling with confidence and figuring out where he should do certain things, where if he was confident, I think he'd just shoot some of these drop passes he made in the slot tonight. You know what I mean? That, yeah. Those kind of things. So, um, yeah, he's so good at it. He looks calm. He looks like he's having fun. And you're right. He's engaged. Like, I haven't seen him since younger Brock days. Yeah, because Michael won. You know, getting that early goal, I just imagine what that did for the rest of the game, too, because the the, the back check comes out later. The, the play on Stamkos comes right after the goal. So just fantastic stuff. Well, yeah. let's go outside the Canucks locker room where we're joined by Canucks forward J.T. Miller after an impressive Canucks victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, J.T., always a pleasure getting you on the show, man. Um, I mean, you guys have been so terrific in closing games out. You're 16-0 now, holding on to the lead, heading into the third period. Uh, how much pride do you guys take in, in playing the type of hockey you do in the third when you have the lead? Oh, I tell you what, I didn't realize uh, the record was that good, but that's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, we talk about getting comfortable in situations like that. Um, you know, we want to, you know, for a lot of the young guys that have been here, you know, we haven't had the success we wanted over the last few years, but we want to be where we want to be. You know, we got to feel comfortable and learn to, to really thrive in situations where the pressure's on, and I think so far we're getting better and better throughout the season. Uh, felt like there was a lot of set plays in the defensive zone, uh, obviously one leading to the first Brock Bowl. Can you take us through just kind of the, the details in that? Yeah, I wish it was prettier than it, it was, but they just lined up uh, when the defense and the other team lines up tight with a one-timer, we like to rim it out the other side. So we did it like four or five times, and um, just an easy way for us to play a little faster, I think, on a clean win. Uh, I got lucky that the wins, the face-off wins were clean, so we were able to rip it pretty good, and then uh, it allows us to get up the ice. So it was nice to, to capitalize on one. Well, it's a testament, too, like you mentioned. It's, it's maybe not the sexiest play, but how effective getting to pucks and getting them meet deep and forechecking is. Yeah, I'm all for getting the puck out of my hand. I don't really care how, they, how we do it. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, if I could just win the faceoff and then try to beat my center up the ice, that's a good play for us. How, satisfy- how satisfying are those plays? You, know, you, you spend a lot of time you know, skating around, talking to the guys b- before a faceoff, and how often do they come off so cleanly for you? Uh, every once in a while. you know, we, have, uh, we even have different reads sometimes based on how clean the faceoff's won, so it just depends. Um, listen, sometimes uh, you win them clean and it doesn't work out, but you know our execution was good coming out of our end of the night, which was nice. Well, your line mates obviously had another good game too, and Brock Besser gets a hat trick on the season, and we all know uh, the struggles he's gone through the last couple of years. Uh, what's, what's the biggest difference in, in his game that you're seeing outside, obviously, scoring all these goals? 
I think just a commitment at 200 foot of the rink. Um, I think that having a matchup role is really, you know, really dialed myself and him in. And, we, you know, it's, it's a lot of preparation. We take a lot of pride in it. And listen, some nights it's not pretty. We're playing against some of the best players in the world right now. And, and they can make you look silly too. But for the most part, I think we're, we're really trying to, you know, if we, we, a lot of our offense comes from good defense. And, um, you know, he's going to the net and going to his little little honey hole there, and he's getting rewarded. So um, he makes my life a hell of a lot easier in the offensive zone for sure. A handful of games uh, Hoaglander's been on the line now. Uh, what have you noticed maybe in, in previous seasons to now with, with Nils? Well, you know, he's just maturing slowly. You know, I, uh, I related to his situation you know i've been talking with him since he was a kid i mean he's still young but he's been here four years now and um you know i think everything that he's gone through is good for him at, in the long run and um you know i try to use my experiences when i was his age uh to help him and listen i told him if he's going to play with us it's a very it's a very simple very simple game we're trying to play and he's been playing great for us so far just playing very straightforward and you know moving his feet and keeping his ship short and uh he's really helping us I know, JT, you'll, you'll talk about the winning is the most important thing, and it's not just about the points, but you're second in the league scoring, only five back at Kucherov, had another two points here tonight. In terms of just how how things are going for you right now and how you're playing, the confidence you're playing with, like, what level do you feel you're at right now? I don't think it's, you know, if I look at my game at a whole over the last five years, I don't think it's a whole lot different. Um, you know, obviously playing in the matchup role is a little different, but, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm dominating games by any, any like, I just feel like we're playing a solid game, and you know, very rarely do we take a night off. I feel like we bring consistency, and um, I think for the most part, we make it hard on other teams' lines to, to generate off of us because we play very simple, and it's a it's a boring game for other other lines that we're playing against. But it's fun for us to play direct, and I think we're just getting rewarded by having good forechecks and hard work, and you know, rock scoring at will. Uh, does it matter at all when you get to see the old logo uh, across from you against your old team? Oh, it's fun. You know, it's. Uh, Always have a soft spot for those guys. Um, had a lot of fun when I was there for the year and a half. So uh, um, it's not as much fun playing against Kucherov all night. I'll tell you that right now. But, uh, he walked me pretty good there in the third. So, but he's, uh, you know, it's crazy. I just, don't, almost none of the guys that I played with are even there anymore. It's such a different team. Well, it's been it's been a long time since the Canucks beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. You guys took care of business tonight. Great performance and uh, best of luck on Thursday. Keep it going against the Panthers. All right, great. Thanks, guys. All right, that is Canucks forward JT Miller tonight. And uh, you know, Brett. He, he talks about playing a simple game, and it's funny because we've had so many discussions about this team the last couple of years, too, about how they're playing, what they need to do, and how they need to form an identity. And honestly, to have success in the NHL, it's complicated because it's not easy to do, but it's not that complicated in, in terms of what you have to do. Repeating it is difficult, but having success, the things you have to do are pretty simple, generally speaking. Yeah, a lot of times it comes down to the team that can perform those fundamentals those simple you know building blocks Mm -hmm. the most consistently at a high level every night is usually one of the teams that comes up on top or most of the teams that are up there so and that's really what practice is if you go through practice it's it's the game broken down into these little segments where you break your movements and your thoughts down to this predictability of just simple kind of yes or no decisions almost so it's it is very complex and very simple at the same time and when it does get too complex the easiest thing is to make it simple again and that's what they've been good at so far this year well it just comes down to execution right you can come up with this complex brilliant plan well if you can't execute it doesn't matter and if you have the simple plan it's like really you're doing this but if you just executing it, it's going to make it challenging for teams. And, you know, these third periods are probably the best example of it. They're not doing anything special. It's just, 
if, if the puck's in deep, they flip it out around, and someone just chips it down, and suddenly it's like they got to go retrieve a puck, and it's one guy forechecking, and it's you have to go through five bodies. It, it's fairly boring hockey in the third period when they have these leads, but they're just trying to get 20 minutes to get two points, and they're 16-0-0 now doing it. It's very encouraging stuff, considering what we've seen like third periods in the past uh, where you just didn't know what was going to happen. Now, in the third period, it's almost automatic right now. Yeah, simplify it. When the D lines up, we rim it. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that's those are the type of, type of decisions they're making. Well, and you know, part of it you can look at it and say, well, are you play, you're not playing the game you may have been playing in the first forty minutes in terms of like trying to create as much. But if you keep repeating those things, if right? You're, keeping if you're a, this effective at it. Well, not only that, yes, you're effective at it, of course, but it's also the opportunities you can create because teams when they're trailing, they're gonna make mistakes. You almost invite them to make a mistake, and instead of forcing chances, you'll get chances based out of the ambition the op- opponent's gonna have to try to get back into the game, and if you keep playing this way, you're going to start getting some of the odd man chances going the other way. Get a break going the other way. And they had a couple half chances that it weren't quite converted. Vasilevsky made a couple of good saves, too, uh, in the third period. So it's not like you're you're not willing to go forward, but instead of forcing it, just, just be patient, play to your game, and you'll get opportunities because the opponent's going to make some mistakes along the way. Yeah, 100%. You're forcing them to switch it up. Yeah. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to get impatient. They're down two. We got to... S- they just keep knocking it out. So I need to pinch here or I need to jump in here or I need to force something to try to create. And that should in turn, on the Canucks side, they want that. They want to invite that. If they have the system, they can guard against it. But then they can also take advantage of it on the other end. Yeah, you're right. There was a couple close to two-on-ones kind of in the third mm-hmm. that usually end up. But it didn't really matter. I don't think they really cared about scoring the goal. That's yeah. the thing is we'll take it if it's there, but we're not going to force it. And we're content with just playing solid hockey. Well, and the other part of it, when you have a goaltender like Thatcher Demko, and even Casey the Smith to a lesser extent with how well he's played, had a shutout his last game, but when you have a goaltender you can rely on, that you know is going to make the saves when he sees it, then you have more confidence to play this game. How many post-to-post? Like, he made a couple, like yeah. three or four really Stamkos. big posts. Yeah. yeah. Stamkos, well, he was going for his 200th goal, power play goal tonight. He's got at least probably 150 from that exact <laughs> spot. Yeah. And he comes across, and then Kucherov made that play a couple times in the third with six guys out there. But you just felt confident that Demko was going to be there or at least get something on it. Kucherov was unbelievable. <laughs> he was tonight. so good. There was, like, passes where it's like there's sticks in the lane. I don't know how you're getting these through. but And not even just small, like, seam distance passes that he was putting through sticks and through bodies in the lane. And just made it look so casual. Yeah, I, the Canucks actually were better on the PK tonight. I thought they were more proactive, yeah. more aggressive of just going, especially on entrances. Mm-hmm. And that forces Tampa to have to make two, three, four passes, good pass in a row. Kucherov just did these spinorama He's backhand things yeah. and threw it and released it with one pass. But nobody, like, I, they obviously he's you know one of the best, if not the best offensive player in the NHL. But they're incredible passes. The one thing I didn't want to ask you, uh, the D-men, uh, especially late, uh, Coles, Adorov, it, it was hitting by committee. We talked about defense by committee. And just imagine if one guy does it, and you're like, all right, well, I'll stand at the blue line as well. <laughs> kind of getting into their groove. It's contagious, right? Yeah. Like, it definitely, as a D-man, when you see that happening, especially when it's coming down to protecting a lead. And it was against Stamkos. Like, we're mentioning him a lot, right? Cole yeah. and Stamkos, and then there's Sorelli there as well. But right before that, Cole ends up staying out before that because the other everybody's changing, so he's staying tight on his left side to change later. But he has three incredible sticks 
before that. Very kind of yeah. undercover. One on a Stamkos one-timer yeah. they're trying to go to. Another one on an entrance. He's added so much stability and depth to that blue line. I absolutely love Cole back there. And, and I think a lot of his play goes under undercover. Not that it's not appreciated, but he adds a lot to that back end. Uh, before we let you go, what do you think of the Zadorov Myers pairing and how they're kind of coming together? I thought it was the best game they've they've had so far. There like there's a couple D to Ds and stuff where you can see that they're they're still figuring it out. But in terms of keeping guys to the outside, they didn't let much into the middle. Mm-hmm. I thought Point had a play late where it's like he he had the the step on Zadorov. Yeah, but you can just see he's like, well, there's no lane because the stick's going to come by, and he had to go all the way around. It's that length really plays. Yeah, and then Myers had a lot of great sticks, even on the PK tonight. So they, they're keeping guys to the outside. They've, they're both playing physical. They thought they were moving the puck well. Zadorov, when he gets that shot off, even the snappers are heavy. Yeah, they really are. Really heavy. So I, I liked it. I thought tonight was their best game, and they keep getting better. What's the thing on the DDD stuff that you'd like to see? Well, I think just... Zadorov maybe pre going to a corner. I think there's been a couple reverses or overs where he, they're in front and then they're reacting. Whereas if you watch Hughes and Heronic, they're kind of already. Heronic's so good at predicting two the two goals in the second were Heronic getting down the wall and being there before the puck's there. But you kind of could do that in the D zone. They can be a little more in sync of where they're going to be ahead of it just to get the puck moving up. But I thought they were really good. I'd rather them be extra cautious and protective than them wheeling up. They did have a... They were leading the rush there. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that was the third where they went offside. Myers went offside on Zadorov. Like, I don't know if that's what they want, but... Yeah, I like the way they're playing. Well, defensively, that's a lot of man to get through when you have those <laughs> yeah. two guys out there. Uh, Brett, always a pleasure, man. Uh, thanks for stepping in today, calling the game alongside Brett and Bachelor. We look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, that's Brett Festerling calling the game alongside Batch. Great as always. Canucks win tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's been a while since the Canucks beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Had lost, what, six straight games against them? A 4-1 victory tonight here at Rogers Arena. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. A lot of reaction on the text inbox and a lot of it obviously positive. Brock Besser is getting love for how he's playing, but uh, you know, people texting in and saying this is one of the most complete performances we've seen so far this season um and people talking about maybe the best 60 they played and there's a lot of thoughts along those lines coming into the text inbox here tonight yeah certainly um you know there, there was the, the early goal obviously that it the way that transpired you just kind of look it's like oh it's gonna be one of those nights but basically from that point moving forward uh they were tremendous um you know the the pk did their job as well with the two many, another too many men uh, penalty. That's what three in two games. It's it's not great. Um, but you know, just complete everywhere. Um, it, it started to turn, I think, late in the first, and and then the and the penalty happens for Pedersen, his first penalty of the year, mind you. Uh, but it, it started to turn, and in the second period they were just dominated. It was fourteen to five in shots on goal, and you could really feel just how clogged everything was for uh, Tampa. And then you know, Besser gets that goal, and and from there on it was. 
It was all Vancouver. Uh, it really was. KG says, easily the best 60-minute minute effort by the team so far. That's Canucks hockey. And I do think the identity of this team is to be stingy defensively when they're mm-hmm. at their best. They can close games out. And this was a game where they played closer to what they want to be as a hockey team. Like, it wasn't always, it's not going to be perfect. But in terms of 60 minutes, how you started the game, how you close this game, I don't really find too much fault. I mean, yeah, Tampa was pushing late, had a few chances. Demko made a few great saves. But that's, Tampa's going to create some scoring chances. I didn't feel like the Canucks were getting hemmed in or getting or getting a run around in their own end necessarily. Especially when you're inviting pressure, right? Because the Canucks, again, they, they took four shots in uh, shots on goal in the final frame, and one of them is an empty netter. So they're inviting chances uh, in these leads. So you grade it upon like what they're trying to execute, and they're trying to execute a very stingy third period. So, you know, by and large, when you look at the the overall high dangers in that period, uh, what was it for uh, Tampa? Seven. That feels very, very heavy. Five on five. I'm not even sure, but yeah, I mean, listen, there, a couple there was of rebounds, maybe a couple of rebound opportunities and higher. all that, right? So it's it's. They are going to get some of those chances, but I didn't feel like they were under too much duress. Like it wasn't it was, like the, yeah, like, there was a Stamkos one in the early in the third. That, that's I remember. There was a couple. Um, he makes an unreal save on Flurry on, that came off the backboards. Um, but as we talked about, it's like was that one even going on net? Right, it's kind of on the side of the goal. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, I mean, maybe you count that out. Yeah. I didn't feel like any of those chances outside of a couple were really too stressful for how Vancouver played, and I think it's been impressive how they've been able to close these games out. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Ryan says, shout out to Talk and the rest of the coaching staff for the way that they built up Hoaglander, given the hard lesson in benching him when necessary, but never losing him, only motivated him to improve on the staples and what a player he's become. By far the best coach we've had since AV. Bravo, Ryan, giving love to uh, Rick Tockett, but also Niels Hoaglander for how he's playing on that line. And it's hard not to uh, give uh, Niels Hoaglander his credit. And, you know, this is a game where he's able to get another assist on the evening, plays 14-43s out there late, almost scores um, in the empty net before Brock Besser got his, obviously. It's, it's, it's one of the things that I appreciate about Rick Tockett he will challenge players, but he's not challenging them and then discarding them. He's given them a chance to redeem themselves and live up to what he's expecting. And when they do, he rewards them, gives them opportunities. It would have been easy to look at Hoaglander and say he's not going to ever give Hoaglander a chance. Mm-hmm. He could have been easy to have a biased opinion to be like, you know what? I don't think this guy can do it. But as long as you do it, he's going to continue giving you opportunities. We saw it with Dakota Joshua. We're seeing it with Niels Hoaglander. And I wouldn't be surprised we see with, with Andre Kuzmenko here at some point where he finds his way back playing in the top six. And I thought he tonight, Bick, got a goal. You know, he broke up that opportunity for Steven Stamkos. This was one of the better games we've seen from Stam- from Kuzmenko recently as well. Yeah, he was active the whole game, I would say. 12.56 of ice time, which is not overwhelming, but nevertheless, you know, he had that shift with, with PDG uh, where they were forechecking, like, demons on that play. And then even on the, the Besser goal, uh, that's a PDG zone entry because Menko is the one that pins Perbix deep. And again, doesn't win the puck, but you stop the puck. And you make Perbix make a play, and it allows everyone to join the play. Hughes is able to creep so far yeah. down the wall, and it keeps it in the zone, comes around to Hronik, and it ends up over uh, with Hughes, who does the whole skate around and gets it to Brock. But that that all starts because Menko and PDG do some, some good work. So I, I think this was his best game. Like He's had other productive games, but overall, like you noticed him doing multiple things this evening not just getting a goal and as you mentioned um 
you know, is is some faith getting re-extended to Andre Kuzmenko, and, and does he return into the top six? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at some point that that he finds his way back in there again. Uh, this text maybe their best game of the year. Details on point. I don't know if it was their best game in the year, but you can certainly make the case for it, given the opponent. And yes, this is not the Tampa of the last couple of years. Yes, Victor Hedman was out, but still an opponent that's very difficult to play against, and they had a very strong 60 minutes here tonight. Let's get a couple text messages in, Vic, and then we'll get to the phone lines as well. As we said, if you're a texter... uh Give us a player type, especially if you're a first-time texter. Connor from Saskatoon, uh, first-time texter, right-handed D-man with some swag. Canucks are looking for some swaggy uh, right-handed D-man. Uh, I never thought I'd say these words, but are the Canucks a physical team? Zadorov, Cole, even Hoaglander laying bodies out there. You just love to see it. Uh, you know, and you know, we've talked about guys working through contact, like Pedersen last game did a lot of it. I thought Connor Garland did a ton of it tonight. Yes. Of getting under a guy. And I'm not talking about like under someone's skin, but you know, skating and, and your shoulder to shoulder and you just kind of slip in front of them and suddenly that player is neutralized. Like they're not going to get back into the play. And Connor Garland, I thought, did a ton of that throughout this evening, especially through the neutral zone, uh, making sure, you know, as he's carrying the puck, and it, it gives him the ability to just get a puck in deep. So uh, good text. It's, it's not the physicality Connor's talking about, but nevertheless, uh, they, they had a physical presence through the course of the evening. Well, winning pucks. Yeah. Like, to me, yes, you want to be physical. To me, you want to win position, you want to win pucks. And usually you have to be physical and tough to do that, and it's part of it. I'd say... I'd say that they have some real heaviness on the back end, and then they have guys like Dakota Joshua and Sam Lafferty, and so you have JT on the front end, and then it's kind of peskiness. Yeah. On the front end. I, can't, I can't more than, than a heavy team; they're a pesky team. But their back end has as much size as anybody. And when you get Carson Soucy back, but considering we're giving love here, and I know this, this is a guy you've always been high on here, Bick, but Noah Juleson and how he's been playing. Yeah, I'd, like is he is he getting like I know he's getting a bit more. Uh, Why is his best stretch like or some more love recently yeah. about how he's playing? But he's certainly getting to a point now where you don't feel as heck. It doesn't feel as hectic when he's out there, and his puck management has been far better than what it was earlier this season. And, and the reason I say this is might be his best stretch is like he played with Queen Hughes a lot near the tail end of last year. And yeah, there were moments where he looked really good and, and able to be productive. But I like that it's independent of Quinn Hughes, right? And you find a role now on PK uh, where he's featured there. And again, it's it's not an overwhelming solution, but he's playing effective minutes. And he clipped 15 uh, minutes tonight through four hits, blocks three shots. Uh, I, I think that's a really, really good stat line for Noah Jolson. It's, it's something that, hey, can you just consistently do this? It, it brings the minutes down to Queen Hughes, who's a very efficient 22 minutes and three assists. But Noah Jolson's doing all the things. We're just talking about like the simple stuff. You execute the simple stuff quickly and effectively – Team, your your teammates can play off of it. Well, and, and Noah Jolson's doing that. You're more predictable for your teammates. You can play off each other a lot better, like you, like you mentioned. Uh, this text here, Brandon and Poco, jokes per sixty. I noticed more grays in Sats beard than scoring chances by Tampa Bay. Yeah, there there is infinitely more grays than scoring chances uh, given up so far this season by the Vancouver Canucks. I'd say even beyond this game. Uh, now, before we get to more of your text messages and we get to more reaction after the game, let's go to the phone board six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Your toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty Canucks four one winners over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Brock Besser with a hat trick and Andre Kuzmenko getting the other goal for the four tallies tonight. Too. Not bad, not bad at all. Uh, let's go to the phone boards. We have our friend Jeffro and Surrey on the line. Jeffro, buddy, what's happening, man? What are your thoughts tonight? Not bad, not bad at all. Um, 
Jeffro. We turn down the radio. Oh, I got to turn down the radio. We'll get him back up here coming yeah. up in a second. Um, all right. You know what? Let's hit the break. We'll come back on the other side. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. You can grab a phone line as well. We'll get back to your phone calls, your text messages, and we'll hear from the head coach after a 4-1 win by the Canucks over the Lightning on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And Miller wins the draw from point in his own zone. Back to Hughes, who got it out to center. Sergachev's got to take it back in his own end. Cleared it around near point. Hirona holds in with a shot blocked in front. Rebound for Miller. Run by Vesilevsky. Then Messer scores! Besser bats the rebound out of the air on the back end. He's got his 19th of the year. And the Canucks take a 2-1 lead. This all starts with Hironik. He pre-pinches. He's reading this play by Tappy. He knows it's coming around, so he's already there. Pulls it off, shoots it. That ends up with three Canucks in front. Besser gets on the backside of his man, and he slaps a backhand, posting in. That's your game-winning goal. Brock Besser made it 2-1 at the time. He added two more goals for a hat-trick. Canucks win 4-1. And that is tonight's Play of the Game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. Now, before we get to the text messages and more of your phone calls coming up in a second, that play, and we broke it down a little bit with... JT Miller himself when he joined us after the game and also with Brett Festerling. But they had a few set plays off the faceoff. And it's nothing too complicated about, about it. It's about winning a faceoff. You rim the puck around. Hoagliner gets to his spot, gets the puck deep. Then you forecheck, you win pucks, and the next thing you know, you get, you get a scoring chance. Like, it's not too complicated. And some credit to Nils Hoagliner on this play because he is... Hair on fire. To oh, the he's red hightailing line. it. Yeah. Again, we, we talked about it in the second intermission. It's a face-off to the right of Demko, and you got to get to the boards at the red line. So it's it's quite a distance, and Hoaglander doesn't even look. It's a queen, a clean win, and he is just straight line. The puck's on its way out. It's like through the corner, and that's when Hoaglander like turns his head to see where it is, and he can start tracking it as he gets to the red line, and. I like that he just chipped it and kept skating forward because they don't even retrieve the puck. It, it's Tampa that gets there, but everyone starts pushing out. Hironik's able to keep the puck in. Um, that whole play is just players, and, and they're all able to you know creep down the wall, and it's a good play. And also the the, the Tocket play that we keep looking at of you know, Hironik gets it. Gets the tip by JT, rebound to JT and, and Hoaglander, and then Brock bats it in. Yeah, and Brock Bester, uh, he's having quite the season. 21 goals now, 29 games. The hottest stretch of his National Hockey League career. And we wondered, do we ever see Bester be as hot as he was in his rookie season? Well, that answer, like, yeah, that question's been answered. In a huge way. I mean, he's only eight goals back behind his goal total that season pick. His rookie year, he had 29 goals. 
It should have been 30 because the one that tipped. Yeah, but it was like, you know, he played, what, 60-odd-some games, got injured towards the end of the year, never got the 30. But he he had 29 in the 60-some game mark. He's eight away from that total. He's only 29 games into the season. It's it's quite impressive. And that is your play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive-through winner with confidence by switching the Toyo tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. We'll get to more of your text messages uh, coming up in just a second. You can grab a phone line as well. What are you laughing about? I don't want to like give priority to the people that texted in with like their player type, but I'm telling you, we're getting some really good ones. You are? Okay, all right, go ahead. You can get them in. You can get them in. Um, Nick from Newfoundland, left-handed D-man, probably would have went pro, but decided to go be a logger <laughs> instead. And he does this with a mocking tone. Canucks can't win games against good teams. <laughs> It's like Spongebob meme. Yes. Yeah. Very much like that. Mac, the undersized power forward from Kits. Uh, when we talk about this leadership group on the Canucks, do we count Brock in that mix? Discuss. Uh, you know what? I'd say this year you would you would have to say yes with how he's uh, gone about things. And even if it's not, you know, leading by being this vocal leader, although when you talk to people who are on the team, he's a guy that does take the younger guys under his wing and he's, he's a good teammate. But is he not leading by example with his play more than anything else? The coach is a to this. Besser got the empty net goal tonight, but he doesn't get the empty net goal because, hey, he's out there hunting goals late. That's because the coach trusts him in late game situations. Every late game situation the team is leading or needing a goal, Brock Besser's out there. How many mistakes do we see Brock making nowadays? Not many. Now, you don't you don't see him skirting his responsibilities, if ever. Like I can't think of one instance, and, I, and I'm sure he's done it. Nobody's perfect. I'm sure he's done it. But off the top of my head, I can't think of a in, single instance this year where I was like, yeah, I don't know what Brock Besser's doing tonight. And he may have not had been great in all 29 games, but how many games do you wonder if Besser's trying or whether he has his head where he needs to be? None of those questions are there with him. So in terms of how he's leading by example, playing to the staples, winning puck battles, being reliable late in games, I think that's very much leading by example. Yeah, and he's not out there just because he has two goals and a multi-goal lead. He's like, oh, well, go get your fifth hat trick, your fifth career hat trick. No, he's out there because he's been used uh, late in games, anyways. And you know, Hoaglander tries passing him one, and uh, Brock misses, ends up getting another opportunity uh, and gets his hat trick goal. Uh, but yeah, he's out there because you know he, he is a very detail oriented player and intelligent player and plays with good angles, uh, smart timing. And when we talk about hockey IQ and hockey sense, you know, Brock loses that. It's it's always been a question of skating. But now when you're scoring like this at, at 21 goals, a lot of the other concerns fall by the wayside when you're scoring at this level. Yeah, they certainly do. You mentioned people texting in with their player types. Andrew, the Zamboni guy, former, for, former first-line center, current fourth-line plug, who is kicking themselves more. The fans who want to Brock traded out of town last year or the 31 other GMs who could have had him for next to nothing. I'd, I mean, hey, fans, they can be fickle. It goes up and down, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's okay for, for fans to kind of live that life. I'm sure there's a couple of teams that could have got that needing a goal scorer that probably could have got Brock for just for a song. Like, honestly, like a nominal fee if you're willing to take on the entire cap. It. Mm-hmm. Like, probably would have been a pretty nominal fee, not too much. And for teams that are starving to score goals, I'd say they're the ones probably kicking themselves more than anybody. Pay up now if, if, if you're going to, if it happens it doesn't happen but it's it's changed quite a drastic measure since again basically a year mm-hmm. we're talking about the uh scratch that never happened last year to now 
Uh, it has been uh, quite a departure. It, it certainly has. James and Qualicum Beach. Talkett said Besser starts drills at practice. He's a total leader. And we, we talk about this. Coaches love starting guys on drills that they can fully trust to do the drill properly. And again, another thing you can point to in terms of leading by example by Brock Besser this evening, this year, 21 goals in 29 games. All right. Just, you know, just really quick, like some guys age out, like Horvat goes out, OEL goes out, some other guys. It's, it's been a lot of changeover. So for Brock, it's like you kind of have to be, too. We've talked about Patterson and, and Hughes so much of the focus of providing the room for them to grow and, and become the primary leaders of this team, captain, assist captain, whatnot. Like Brock's part of that, too, of course. What's been what's been his greatest impact? Five on five, or stepping into the power play and essentially scoring all the goals that Brock Besser scored last. I mean, uh, Bo Horvat scored last season. He's got eight goals on the what? The eight goals on the power play this year, which I believe leads the league. I will say, uh, yeah, I believe it does also lead the league. Uh, I, I think it's the power play because there the, the were some worries of what the. the you know who's going to score the goals on the power play? His because, shot too. Yeah. What does his shot look like? And because it's it's not a lefty, right? So right. like just drop him in, to do everything the same. And they change the power play. The fact that he's been the one producing on the power play, I, I think, is huge, and, and shouldn't go unnoticed. No, I, I agree with that. And you know that was a question on the power play that I wondered about: who's going to really step in there? And their movement has made up for. The fact that they don't have the one-two set plays they go to. And it's not like Brock Bester's continually getting shots off from the slot. He's scoring in different ways. But uh, a huge, huge help on the power play. All right, we'll get to more of your text messages coming up in just a few minutes. Let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650. And let's give Jeffro another chance. He's back on the phone line. Jeffro, what are your thoughts here tonight, buddy? Hey, thanks for taking me back. I know the drill. Yeah, it's all good. We got to hold guys accountable like Taka does, so we got to do that on the phone lines too. <laughs> all right, he's not going to bench me, is he? No, no, no. We, we gave you another shot. We challenged you, and then we gave you a shot to earn it right back the next shift. Okay, I appreciate it. I want to say that I am, and I think the fan base is so proud of Brock Besser. I mean, what a guy! He's like battled back. He went up tonight. Matthew's got two goals. He overtook him. Kucherov, boom, gets the hat trick, and like, yeah, he's like, he's looking good out there. I like Brock Besser. Get that guy signed. Keep him on the payroll. Like, yeah, he's he's part of this team. Everyone talks Quinn Hughes, Miller, Pedersen, Demko. I think Besser is getting in that mix too. Yeah, he's getting up there. Hey, Jeff, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for calling in. Um, and you know. What ultimately is going to happen with Besser in his future? Who knows? He has one more year left on his contract. But the conversation around him has changed dramatically. Now you're actually having an earnest discussion about, hey, does it actually make sense to keep him here beyond next season? Do you give him a contract extension? How does he fit in here long term? Whereas the discussion last year around Brock Besser heading into this year was, can they get to get him to a point where you can just move him? The discussion is now twofold. It's like, yeah, maybe they do end up making a move at some point, but is the idea of keeping him out of the equation? And when you score the way he's scoring, you don't put anything out of the equation. So we'll see ultimately what happens. Uh, but to Jeff Rowe's point, could he be part of the future? We shall wait and see on that aspect. Now, we'll get to more of your phone calls, more of your text messages, but we are ready to hear from the head coach, Rick Tockett, after a 4-1 win on home ice over the Tampa Bay Lightning. And here he is post game. No, I, I think it was just a solid win. I mean, um, you know, we were a little rusty early, but I think we settled in. I thought the penalty kill was great tonight. I mean, 
they had their chances, but um, I thought the penalty kill held it together. And I thought, you know, pretty like all four lines contributed tonight in the 60. But I thought it was a like a good team effort. What have you noticed in Brock's game from, you know, the time you had with him last year to this year in terms of what he's doing to allow him to score so regularly as he has? Well, I think he's just a smart guy. He knows the spots to go at. Um, and he's sharpened up in his defensive game. You know, he still he knows there's he still wants to get better at his defensive game, but it's you know it's night and day from last year. And uh, his, his positional hockey, you know, he's a smart kid. What did you see from your team in the second? Uh, it seemed like that was your strongest twenty minutes, and, and probably a, a good bounce back, especially in terms of what you generated from from the first. Yeah, I, I, the first one, I, like I thought, we couldn't handle the puck. Like we were just a little rusty. Like the pucks were bouncing off our sticks. I, I didn't think we were sharp. Um, but then we just started to settle, and there was a lot of energy in the second. And um, you know, that's that that was a big you know that was a big key for me is just seeing how we responded after the first, um, and then. You know, I mean, obviously Kucherov's a hell of a player. He makes some hell of plays out there, and I thought we adjusted better the second and third with him on the ice. I thought earlier on we were we were getting two guys were going to him, and he would find those slip plays. And I thought we adjusted that better as the game went on. They have six minutes uh, shorthanded, zero goals, uh, eight shot attempts, five shots. Yeah, um, and it seemed like struggled to get the blue, gain the blue uh, against your PK. Uh, where was your club especially sharp tonight, and how big a part of it was Neil Zaman, given how heavily he was deployed four on five? Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought Yozi in the well the last couple of days he, he said I thought he did a nice job of sending video to the players on the, even on the off days. I think that was good. Um, you know, obviously we're giving more ice time to some other guys. Uh, you know, Teddy and Oms obviously leading us, and I think Dakota. Um, but I thought our game plan, I mean, what are they, 30% power play? I mean, that's a hell of a power play. And I thought we protected the middle pretty well. I mean, they got a couple of good looks, and Demmer was, you know, obviously there for us. But um, this this is a game when you when you penalty kill against a, a power play like that, it, boosts, it should give us confidence. We should have a little bit of, you know, energy now with this penalty kill. Hopefully we can get a little bit of a run, you know, um, in the next four or five games where, the PK can be counted on. I think that's what we're looking for, like a, a good run of, our, of good PK right now, looking for a good run. Rick, because Manko has a sequence where he scores on the one time, yeah. and then later he hustles back and strips Stamkos from a chance in the slot. What do you make of his game tonight? He's had some energy tonight. You know, he's been shooting, actually, you know, Gonch is here, and uh, he's been spending time with Gonch shooting a lot of pucks. He shot a lot of pucks the last three days, and, you know, there's no sense to him shooting that puck. He scores. You know, uh, we're we're getting him to shoot the puck more. Uh, hopefully, you know, in practice now we have to translate in the game. But I just thought he had more energy tonight. You know, it's a, it's a good little building block for him. Sometimes it's the little things. Uh, we talked a lot about Juleson recently yeah. tonight. Quick up pass to Di Giuseppe gets a shot off the rush, and then he draws a penalty, going hard behind his own net to trigger the transition. What about his game? Yeah, if you could ask Fortier, uh, the Gonch, um, he's probably been last eight, nine games, one of our, you know, like, I would say surprises, but I think he's taken his game for what he is to a different level. Like, he's really, um, he's been great on the penalty kill. Uh, his decision-making has been night and day than it was at the beginning of the year, making that, like, that quick up, you know. Um, thinks his breakouts are better. It's just his overall, and he, and he uh, like Footy was just talking about how he thought he played well tonight in the, in the coaches' room. And he said he listens. You know, he he he's a he's a 
he's a sponge, and I, he really listens to the coaches. So, you know, good for him. Uh, Rick, we've heard you talk about playing predictable hockey, and I think a lot of us, when you said that, were thinking, how is Niels Huglander going to be predictable? But it seems like he's the first guy in on the forecheck every time. Yeah. What is it about his game that you found to be able to fit into being predictable and how he's working with that line? Yeah, he's obviously is on the forecheck. His speed through the neutral zone, um, you know, that hit on Kutrop, that was a pretty good hit. Um, he's a little bull. You know, saying that we got to work on his defensive game. I thought, you know, he was a little out of whack a couple times, but, you know, I wanted to stick with him. You know, usually sometimes, you know, you know, I could have pulled him off there because they were, you know, there's a couple times that, you know, he was directly involved in the, in the, in the mishap, but I thought by sticking with him, I thought he had a good third period, you know, um, so hopefully he can build on the fact that, okay, made it, you know, I, you know, I think there's about three or four giveaways he had. If he can just get that part of his game, um, and he's and, and he's working his ass off. To, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit. You know, it's it's a it's a new it's a new it's a new journey for him to play that kind of style where he, we have to depend him on the defensively, and he's uh, he's trying to work on it. Um, you guys have won every game that you've taken a lead into the third period this season. Is that part of you guys' identity of just how you come out in third periods this year? Yeah, and I think it's just uh, they, they believe in the structure, you know, and they, they believe that we do the right things. Obviously, we get good goaltending mostly every night. That helps. But I think, um, you know, the shift lengths, uh, to me, um, are good again. Like, the 35, 40 seconds. Uh, very rarely, uh, for me, the last three, four games, we were extended where a guy would go for, you know, I'm going to try one, you know, I'll take another shot at down offensively. The, for the most part, I think our shift lengths have been really good, or and, and the guys are buying into that. And that's helped us in the third period. I know it has. Rick, it's a, a dynamic game, obviously, but yeah. Brock's one-timer goal almost looked like a set play. When Quinn dips in yeah. behind the net, I, do you just feel like good things are going to happen? Like It looked like Tampa, you know, every guy on the ice obviously is drawn to Quinn in that situation, and it opens up ice for Brock. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. It was a koozie went to the net. Uh, yeah, it was a koozie. Um, that draws about two guys, and obviously that's a high, the high, that's a, you know, it is a set play. Um, you get that high forward in that, in that high place, and obviously, I mean, that was a hell of a shot. If you, you know, I saw the video of it, it just kind of C and I, it just, you know, it went through a couple of guys that were trying to block the shot. But, yeah, when Quinn gets that puck on, uh, down by the hash marks with speed, usually something good happens. You talked about penalty killing a little bit earlier. Uh, Got to ask you, another night, another too many men. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, but uh, we, we addressed it, and... Uh, I think Brock, you know, Brock, you know, Brock it was, I think it was Brock's fault. He took, came to the bench. He took ownership. It's his fault. I, the guys are, you know, obviously they, it's, it's a high alert right now. I mean, that's way too many. Um, usually you have five for the year. I think we have, we have our quota. We're done by hopefully for the year because it's, you know, it can, it can cost you games and we got to be careful. Fine jar. Fine jar. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Somebody's going to be, well, who, who, who gets the money? The coach? No, no because I, I'm the guy who gets it's not my, It's not me. It's, I, it's my fault, right, at the end of the day. But, no, it's, it's we got we got to do something. I know that. Maybe this finds. Yeah. 
I was curious about the, uh, the the rest strategy. Now that you've been home for a while, taking it a little bit, uh, a yeah. little bit easier than usual. Do you think that that helped in the last forty minutes today, just in terms of sort of getting the legs a little looser? I know it did. I, I thought early. I don't know early on because we were a little rusty. With, like it's, I thought some guys were fighting with the puck, but um, I think in the long run. And I, I think I told you guys, win or loss, uh, if we lost, I didn't care. To me, this was the right thing to do, and I thought there was energy today. Um, and um, even like after the game, I could tell guys were they weren't spent. You know, so those forty-eight hours really helps. Hopefully, it helps us for these next four games on the road, uh, or actually we got one more game before we hit the road. Um, so there's a lot, lot of games, a lot of mileage on the plane, not much time. So I think that the rest of the, is going to help us in the, you know, for sure. It's going to help us. So there were some big hits from uh, Cole and Zadorov in the third period. Yeah. Jules was credited with four hits. Uh, you know, how important is that to have some some big guys in the back end throwing their weight around? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, we, listen, I, I love big hits, but I'll just take anybody just getting in front of people, like chip. We, that's one of our staples is chip in the body. Um, but, you know, when you, you get some of those big hits, I mean, make the other teams look. I mean, it's no, no different. You know, you're, you know, uh, they, it hurts. And, um, you know, Kohler's good at it. Big Z now. I mean, he laid it. Hoggy on Kucherov. That was a big hit, too. So, yeah, it's something that uh, it's nice to see. You know, you don't want to run around, though, and, you know, uh, and look for big hits. But when they're there, you got to take them. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you know one thing you mentioned, and we didn't get to this, we talked about how this was you know, a real good 60-minute effort. You can make the case that it was a really good 59-minute effort because I did not like their first minute. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jay Impoco is texting in. He's texted in the same thought like eight times, I think. So he, he wants us to read this one. Uh, where was Sats Messiah tonight? No shots, no points. Streaky Petey strikes again. Being inconsistent is, is exactly what a possible 10 to $11 million player does. Right, Sat? Jay Impoco taking shots at Elias Patterson. I mean, I don't know if Jay's um, expectation is that a player should score in every single game he plays. Um, Patterson in the first 14 games of the year have, what, 25 points? His last 14, 15 games now, he has 12 points. So, yeah, he's has a bit of a Jay and Pogo the first 14 games of the yeah, season? Exactly. He was <laughs> probably slurping him and talking about how he should get paid 12 or 13 million. That's kind of what I'm guessing he was saying. But nonetheless, uh, as far as... Uh, Elias Patterson is concerned tonight. I thought that he wasn't great tonight. Like, if you want to look at some players who didn't have a lot of success, I thought his line had some moments. They weren't at their best. And I thought that on that goal specifically, the only goal that Tampa scored, it's easy to look at Zadorov and Myers. People always point to them as Zadorov. The guy gets behind Zadorov and everything. But that all happens because Elias Patterson makes a mess of it coming through neutral zone. He goes to dive for a puck, misses it, falls over, and then he's spinning around trying to re- uh, regain his positioning or regain where to go. Doesn't pick anybody up, and it's a two-on-one down low, and the next thing you know, it's, uh, it's, it's in your net. So I would agree with the coach. Their first minute, it wasn't great, and they were paid. They paid for it right away. And in in fairness, as much as you know, we, we give Pedersen credit, I thought Pedersen tonight, not his best game, and that shift in particular, that goal happened because of his miscues defensively. Yeah, me and Reach were talking about it in, in the intermission, and it, it was we, we used the talkatism of defending backwards, right? And you watch that play, he's, he's retreating, he's retreating. He's not even picking up someone he can skate with, because it's it just three on three, and he tries to jump a pass, and he, he gets the angle all wrong, and suddenly when you, when you lean over with the stick, well, you're not moving anymore. 
And so as soon as Kucherov gets that, he's never going to get back into the play. Uh, Sergachev joins the rush, too, and it's just boom, boom, boom. They just whip it around and points there on the back post. And, you know, there's three guys coming at Zadorov. He's, he, he stops to front the puck and suddenly point Kucherov are able to slide past him. So he's, he's kind of left in no man's land because that pass to Kucherov is the initial one that gets through. So, yeah, I don't really pin that on Zadorov or Myers. No, I don't, I don't either, and it's only so much they can do. And I thought those two guys in particular had a strong game together. You know, one thing about Zadorov, too, and the coach mentioned this today when he met with the media pregame about how he thinks there's more there to his game and what he can do. But defensively... I, I know this might be somewhat counterintuitive because usually when we watch Tyler Myers out there, it's a lot of scoring chances against. It's kind of healthier skelter. But when those guys are together, I was out together. I was looking at, and again, like these, the shot metric scoring chances, they're imperfect. It's not always beautiful, right? And tonight they were on the ice for three against two, four. So there were moments where they gave a couple chances. One was obviously the one we mentioned, not really on them, but. When you look at heading into this game, as a D-pair, over 60 minutes, they were averaging seven high-danger chances against over 60. Which, when you compare that to, just by the counting metrics, the top 10 players in the league, defensively, they average about seven to eight. So, like, if, if those guys can do something along those lines, limit scoring chances, and really take a lot of ice away, they can be effective. Now, it's a small sample. The question is, how much can they do as time goes on? Do people find some holes in their game, and how do they recover from that? But there's just a lot of space they occupy. And when you have two guys that big, so Dorov's very mobile, they have long sticks, they defend well at, at times. It's just a lot of... A lot of hockey man to get through, and I think that just makes it really difficult for the opposition. Yeah, they're getting a lot of love in the inbox. 650, 650, Ryan. Uh, how about those chaos giraffes? Super solid tonight. Great positioning, quick outs, huge hit by Zadorov. They look like a solid second pairing tonight. Uh, wait until Mizey starts playing physical in the playoffs. That'll be a scary pair. That one's coming in from Ryan. Uh, there's another one here, unsigned. I have to give a lot of credit to Zadorov and Myers. Uh, Zadorov makes a huge difference. All his hits and how much space he takes away in the ice. Uh, what a trade Alvin made. That one's an unsigned text into the inbox. And you know The, the cost of acquisition was so nominal for, for Zadorov and it was already going to be like, alright, people are excited to see him. And it started slow, but really coming around, I think you see you know, the, the feet have settled a lot, too. He, he was moving way too much, I felt like, before. Now he's kind yeah. of picking his spots. He knows when to activate. Uh, you know, the, I, I think you really notice him carrying the puck. Uh, as much as we can talk about, you know, his length defensively, there are moments when he starts carrying the puck and he just, like, swats away and he's able to push someone off. And that's the stuff that really starts to shine. And the, the, this team needs, like, puck carriers. They do. And puck movers. And guys that can create. Yeah. And, and that's something that they could use more of, obviously, right? And I think that's kind of one of the things that they can improve on. Uh, he mentioned Noah Juleson. And th- this is a player that we mentioned a bit earlier about how he's played so far. And and as time has gone on, he went from looking like a guy that you couldn't wait until somebody could find a replacement. And that, you know, this is a guy you can't throw out there. And it's not like we're talking about a top four defenseman. I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression here when, when, I'm, when I'm talking about Noah Juleson. Have, have success in your role. And that's the thing. And are you a liability or can you at least help the team? And I think Noah Juleson's got to a point where he's no longer a liability and he's helping enough. He drew a penalty tonight. He's winning puck battles, doing the simple things. He's carving out a role for himself on the PK. He's eating a lot of pucks. By that, I mean sh- and blocking a lot of shots. He's showing some courage doing that. We know he's physical. He's not afraid of, of standing up or sticking up for his teammates and defending himself either. 
there isn't like he's not a perfect player, but I want to give the coaching staff a lot of credit too, Big, for a player that would have been easy for them to kind of just cast aside or be like, you know what, just be tough on him and not consider him anything. They've worked with him and they built him back up, and they got to a point now where they can credibly use him on the PK. The PK has been on a good stretch here, Big. Like I thought last game against Carolina, they gave a goal up, but I thought that was one of the better games they've had all season with how their penalty kill looked. And I thought tonight was much of the same again. And then one guy you can give credit to on that PK is Noah Juleson. Yeah, he plays a buck fifty-two uh, shorthanded tonight. And look, we're not even that far removed from Noah Juleson playing uh, ten minutes in a game. Uh, but, you know, these last couple of games have crept up. He played 15, 16, 10, 48, 12, 31, 14, 35. Here he is tonight uh, clipping 15 minutes. It's big. And you, you referenced simple stuff like the quick ups. You know, when we've discussed, you know, a, a struggling game for Noah Jolson, there was a lot of retrieving the puck, looking around before you know what a four checker's on you and you're trying to make a safe play of just kind of pin it against the boards, but it invites a lot of pressure. These last you know, three games, the puck has gotten off his stick a lot faster. And when you're making a quick play, now teams or players, your, your teammates are reacting off of you and hopefully showing for you as well. Uh, it's been a lot simpler from Noah Juleson and getting the minutes and certainly getting the praise. No, absolutely. And if you can just keep doing those things, add some extra depth to the team, uh, it's it's very, very positive for the team. And also how these, these coaches, a lot of people are texting in and saying give the coaching staff credit, give management credit for the team that, they, that they've put together. And, and I think it's all fair, especially when the team is getting off to the start they have so far this season. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit more of those as the show goes on. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. People are asking us about Carson Soucy and Pew Suter. Well, one is closer than the other. We'll talk about that and more as we continue breaking down the Canucks victory over Tampa right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to Patterson. Top of the point. Again to Hughes. Left circle. He shoots. It was blocked off of Radish. Now Miller gets it on the end wall. To Hughes. Left circle. Hughes make a one-timer. He scores! Look at this. Look at that. The Canucks tie the game at one. That's got to feel good. I think I saw Kuzmenko's shoulders drop about three inches there just from sigh of relief. But great shot. He's had some energy tonight. You know, he's been shooting. Actually, you know, it's Gonchas here. Then uh, he's been spending time with Gonchas shooting a lot of pucks. He shot a lot of pucks the last three days. And, you know, there's no sense to him shooting that puck. He scores. You know, uh, we're, we're getting him to shoot the puck more. Uh, hopefully, you know, in practice now we have to translate in the game. But I just thought he had more energy tonight. You know, it's a, it's a good little building block for him. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett on a 4-1 victory. Andre Kuzmenko tonight got the Canucks even after Tampa opened up the scoring. And after that, it was three consecutive goals from Brock Besser to give the Canucks a 4-1 win. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650. And we'll get to some of those here as, as the show goes on. We'll hear from Andre Kuzmenko coming up in a few minutes' time as well. He did speak post game with the media. Uh, and we'll also hear from Brock Besser, who got his 
Patrick tonight. And uh, they bounced back after that loss in Tampa against the Lightning. And the Canucks have now won three straight games to get themselves to 39 points in the first 29 games. I mean, I mean... I think that's maybe the the biggest takeaway here to, to some extent here, Bick. We can talk about individually this game, how they played. But we're sitting here, the team almost at the 30-game mark, and they've already banked 39 points on the campaign. Like, it really puts you in an advantageous position as the rest of the season goes on. They are sixth in points percentage. They are first in goals four. They are first in goal differential. 11 wins on home ice. It's uh, a lot of things going well. Here they are with another three-game winning streak, and it's been very good. Very good. And, not, you know, next game will be the 30-game mark, but you know, they have a chance to crest 40 uh, come Thursday. It's, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's beyond the wildest imagination for a lot of people that said, hey, they have to have a good start. Even the people that believe that they could have a good start – I don't think anyone would have predicted this. The The Thursday game now against Florida is a gravy game. And, and I'm right. not saying don't don't win it. I, yeah. It doesn't matter if you lose. But they've already won three out of four games on this homestand. There's one game left. Luongo's going into the Ring of Honor. It's going to be a fun, emotional night here. I'm loving for Luongo. Uh, the game's probably going to have intensity as well. If you come away winning that game and you're really taking care of business on home ice... And then you head on the road for a couple before coming back home to uh, play your light Christmas schedule. And, and I think that's the other benefit here. The Canucks have played a lot of games. You know, I know Tones was texting in earlier and saying, is, uh, is are the Kings ever going to play an 82-game schedule or something? Because they, they, they keep trailing the Canucks in games played. Don't worry. Teams are going to start making up ground because the Canucks only have two games between December 23rd and, and January 2nd. Yeah, and it's the 23rd and 28th. So they're yeah. going to have a plenty of time off. And then heading into the second half of the season, Bick, they only have, I think they have four more back-to-backs coming up after tonight. And in the month of March, they have no back-to-backs. They'll have one in April. Other teams are going to have a real tough schedule. Not to say the Canucks are going to have it easy, because it's not going to be easy. You know, It's never easy in the National Hockey League. In January, they actually start things off with a pretty... Seven-gamer. Yeah. Uh, Seven-game road trip, and it starts off, um, I think it's what, in, in St. Louis. St. Louis, but then who, after that... Who, by the way, uh, relieved uh, Craig Brube of uh, his duties this evening. Yeah, and they were sitting in a wild-card spot. They lost tonight to the Red Wings 6-4, and that was the last straw, and he's been fired. But they played the St. Louis Blues, and they played the Rangers, they played the Islanders, they played the Devils, and they kind of go through a, a, a tough series of teams as well through that stretch. And it's not going to be easy, but... They've kind of gone through some of the more challenging aspects of their schedule, and they're sitting in a pretty spot. So if you come away and win that game on Thursday, now you're really setting yourself up for for a, being in a good spot for the final 50 games. And I imagine this is going to be welcome news to them. So they finish the four-game road trip on December 21st, right? Come back the 22nd. Three games between then and the new year, right? So holidays are all at home here in Vancouver. So that is a nice stretch where it's, you know, three games in 10 days and you get the nice little break there and then back at it uh, for Ottawa on January 2nd, a three-game homestand, which extends, you know, multiple weeks here. That's going to be amazing to just keep rested and get ready for, for, you know, that tough stretch with a seven-gamer. But here's the thing, because you went through the tough bit too, there's a seven-gamer in January and then there is a five-gamer, I think, at the start of February. I'm just bringing it up here. Carolina, Boston, Detroit, Washington, Chicago, right? And, you know, the beginning of the season, we know they, they travel a lot early here, Sat. 
you get through these, and then then comes a nine game homestand in March, and no back to backs. Uh, I mean, they even have two or three day breaks in between that. You yeah. you may actually wonder about it. Is it too many home games? Or are you going to be too fat and happy and comfortable at home? But you talk about not facing the toughest schedule mm-hmm. once you kind of get through this next little bit. It's massive. I mean, if the Canucks are able to win that game on Thursday, and you're sitting there with 41 points through your first 30 games of the season, that means if, if you only go 500 the next 52, go 52 points in 52 mm-hmm. games, that brings you to 93 points on the season. Yeah, the, the, the quality and competition is going to improve in February because you're going to play, I think they play Boston twice. They have all the games, games against the Kings coming up. All the games against the Kings. You're going to play Vegas one more time. You know, Colorado's featured in there. So the quality of competition is going to go up. You have to, you but, have to play Winnipeg yet, who's been a strong team. Uh, but but their, their biggest stretch of like travel and all that, that's kind of taken care of. Uh, I feel like the back-to-backs go down as well. There weren't a lot to begin There's with. only four more back-to-backs. Yeah. Awesome. From now till the end of April. And none in March. That's, not a single back-to-back in that's March. awesome. Yeah, so it, it puts you in a, in a not-so-bad position here. And a couple of those back-to-backs are coming up pretty quick once you get into... Uh, I mean, the one's coming up this weekend, and then there's one coming up in January as well. And then after that, it's it's not too bad. So the Canucks make hay now, and hopefully that pays off in a oh, big way as the season goes on. I missed one as well. Sorry, as we're talking about goal differential and things that they were leading the league. First in regulation wins, which is a great marker. 18 regulation yeah. wins. No, nine, 18. 18. 18 regulation Thank wins. Thank you one overtime win. Yeah. Yes, and... Yeah, absolutely. Now, this one here on Andre Kuzmenko. Everyone is completely missing the mark on Kuzmenko, this text says. Going into tonight's game is on ice expected goals, 67.3%, 15th in the league. Next best on the team is Garland, then Besser and Hughes, Pedersen at 58. Talking wants everyone to play the way he played, which obviously doesn't work as well with Kuzmenko's skill set. Canucks get two or three more expected goals with Kuzmenko on the ice. I agree with a lot that Kuzmenko says, but with uh, that talk it says, but with Kuzmenko, he's way off base. I don't agree with uh, the point that Tockett is completely off base. And I don't think the point is wrong insofar as he's had chances he hasn't buried, and that's true. But his shot rate this year is down from last year heading into this game. He was shooting the puck significantly less. He was tipping the puck about half the rate he was last year with his deflections and tip-ins, at least the rate that he was going on. And yes, you can look at the expected numbers, but I would also say there's a lot of noise in those numbers. And heading into tonight's game, you know, Kuzmenko ends up being plus one on the night, but heading into the game, he was a, he was a zero on the plus-minus ledger. And yes, the plus-minus is an imperfect stat, but if you look at the mistakes the coach talks about and the blown assignments, they've led to a high number of uh, rush chances when he's on the ice and also odd man chances when he's on the ice and easy goals when he's on the ice. Those are the types of things the coach doesn't want. And I don't think he's been wrong in, in demanding that Kuzmenko doesn't do those things, especially when he's not scoring. For a team that has, the, what, the second-best goal differential in the league, for a player to be a, a zero on the plus-minus tells you quite a bit about how it's going, and it's not just bad luck. Yeah. Yes, it's been bad luck, but there's been a lot of, when you watch the games, and we've gone through and given you examples of it, where he's made mistakes that have led to goals going the other way, and when you're trying to keep players accountable, and you're trying to have the team play the right way, and be able to snuff games out like they did in the third, you have to call those things out. Um, the, the thing I really disagree with, the idea that Rick Tocchet wants everyone to play the way he played, you know, he's just asking guys to skate. Check. The, the New Jersey game was the one that was really telling, where there were a couple of moments where he was not getting in on Siegenthaler, and Colin Miller just 
dusted him. Colin Miller was retreating in his own zone. Like, what an advantageous spot for a winger to influence w- w- what the defense is going to do. And Hoaglander, like, jumps too far inside trying to pick off a puck. And Colin Miller just skates away like he's Quinn Hughes. Yeah. And it's just, like, up the wall. Uh, sorry, it was cross ice. That was the play Jack Hughes pulled up on Tyler Myers and gets that turnover. But you just watch that play. Like, the, 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 there, was, there was reasons, incredible reasons, that because Michael was not pulling his weight in certain areas of the ice. Yeah. So you can cite the expected goals and be like, oh, just give the guy opportunities. Y- you still need him to do certain things that are beyond of just, oh, go score goals. That's all we really care about. Yeah, and I know I, there's a, a bit of a narrative out there that uh, when Bruce Boudreaux was here, he didn't care so much about the defensive stuff. But I think that's pretty far off the mark, too, because... Don't forget, Boudreaux healthy scratched Kuzmenko one game. Now, they said part of that was load management and him not being in the shape he needed to be, and that played a part into it. But he also had games under Boudreaux where he was benched, where he played on the third line, where he was, where he was cast down to the fourth line. And the coach would say, yes, like, like he's scoring a lot of goals, but there's certain things that you have to do. So I don't think it was the only coach here that had those kind of challenges with Andre Kuzmenko. So I think... It's just something that he kind of had to clean up in his game. But give him a lot of credit. I think tonight he played one of the stronger games that he's played so far this season. You know, the goal obviously is big. But we talked about that back check on Steven Stamkos. And we broke that down with Brett Festerling. But the fact that he didn't get too far off, he was able to recognize a danger, come back, and then get your stick on Stamkos, a guy who's pretty deadly in that spot, especially with how the turnover happened on Hironik. Like, I think that was a pretty big moment in the game as well. And I think you have to remember, like, Rick Tockett is preaching the things that are going to be important in the playoffs. It, it, you can't just say, come May, April, late April, May, and just say, oh, now go do all these things that we need you to do. Like he's mentioned this, like we, we need to be good on this stuff now mm-hmm. so it becomes habit then. You can't just expect guys who, who are for 82 games, are like, oh, Kuzi, just go score goals. Just chill out, score goals. You don't need to forecheck. You don't need to be in these right spots. You start working on this stuff now, you'll see the benefits later. And that's the point. Like, that's the bigger point. It's, it's not that he's trying to change him at all. It's that he's trying to coach a certain way that the, the, the lessons that you preach now will come and show themselves emerge come playoff time. Hey, you want to be a serious hockey team that has serious aspirations and plays at a high standard? That's kind of what you have. You can't just be satisfied with some empty goals here and there. Like, yes, they help you get to a point, but do they help you actually win? And I think that's the right mi- mindset to have. Well, why rely on flipping the switch when you're not like a juggernaut But even those teams. Team. But I, I also refuse to believe that juggernaut teams can just cruise through the regular season and just switch it on in the playoffs. Like, I don't think that exists. In Tampa, Dude. yeah, but even them, <laughs> but even them, like, yeah, yeah. like yes, like look at the things you need, like this generational Norris guy, generational, but also, guy. but also how they play. It's yeah. more, it's there. Were they ever a team that played irresponsible hockey? No. Up until they got boosted out, they got th- blown out by the Columbus Blue Jackets that year, mm-hmm. right? It was the year they had the the best season in you know one of the best years in NHL history. They were looking like the the surefire Stanley Cup victors, and then they get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets after 
after that, they adjusted. And perhaps the regular seasons weren't as prolific, but every game they played, they had a consistency to what they did and how they played. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you want to get to, at the very least. Uh, Nav in Dallas, I'm in a hotel this week, and it was hard to stream the game. But from what I saw, we looked really good tonight. Hoggy belongs in the top six. Kuzi looked like he got his confidence back. I also think the Canucks did a good job blocking shots and taking the mid- mid- middle of the ice away. Demko was great as usual. What a statement game, and that's three in a row. Uh, that's Nav in Dallas giving Kuzmenko some love. And as far as Andre Kuzmenko goes... Nice flex being in the hotel this week, too. Hey, listen. Yeah. He's working, man. Man's busy. Busy working. Watching his, listening to his Canucks the most, as much as he can and getting the breakdown here on the post-game show. And as far as Andre Kuzmenko is concerned, a lot of talk around him so far this week. Jim Rutherford commented on him and his future and said he w- wouldn't promise that he's going to be here, but spoke about how they want to work with him and get the best out of him. And tonight, they got the best version of Andre Kuzmenko. By the way, Jim Rutherford on Canuck Central tomorrow. Tomorrow on Canuck Central. That is coming up just after four, so make sure to tune into that. It will be me, Satyar Shaw, with Dan Riccio. But right now, it's time to hear the thoughts of Andre Kuzmenko talking about how big this win was for the team. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's a very important moment as a team. It's a winner. It's a very important for me. Go. It's okay. It's good. Little bonus for me. And uh, today is uh, we play against is a very great team. It's a very good power play in Tampa Bay. Is uh, Demer today we have is a very great player. It's a good couple. Important save. Mm. It's good, good game today. It's a important win, but this season is every game is important for me for teams. Finish. <laughs> yeah. How, how good did it feel to get that shot through and score that power play goal? How good did it feel just to know you got that shot, but to see the result, get that goal? How good did that feel? It's a good moment. <laughs> so simple. It's a good moment. I know it's a, I need a, I won't come back. It's my normal uh, level. It's a good level for me. Uh, I need a big work. And gym and eyes and mentality is a lot of moments. I won't, I won't go come back. Zadorov spoke this morning of how much he believes in you. What does it mean to have that support? Oh, it's a good, yes. It's a, Zadorov helped me and uh, Miki Mikhaev is a big help to me and my Russian friends as I always support every time as uh, I like these things for my friends <laughs> it's okay it's a very interesting moment for me I like it it's a difficult time for me it's no problem this is hockey as the last season you good this season is not good it's, but uh, it's not finished season it's just December I have a time. I have a time, and uh, very important time for me. To get that goal early in the game, does that help the rest of your game, like to play a little more free on the ice and maybe help your confidence? Mm. <laughs> What's this question? I won't play more. Yes, I understand. Yes, is a. It's okay. It's this moment is uh, I play it for ten minutes. So, but okay. I need the work. Okay, is every game is uh, step up, step up, step up. It's a step by step. It's so simple for me. I understand. It's a good moment. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko uh, speaking about things he's got to work on uh, and what he has to do and uh, how he's going to get there in terms of 
being back into the top six. He played 12.56 tonight, which was, you know, almost, you know, two and a half more minutes than he did last game. So he got about, what, two or three more shifts. He averaged 48 seconds on his shifts tonight, which I think is very much more in line with what the head coach would want from him. Um, And, you know, you were kind of asking this while we were watching the third period. Um, the Pedersen line, not quite as good. Lafferty, obviously, he's been fantastic, but they weren't at their best tonight as a trio. If Kuzmenko keeps this going, how long before he gets a spot back? The door has been opened after this game. Does it happen for Florida? I don't know. But mm. certainly, you know, Kuzmenko's supposed to play in the top six. And, you know, Lafferty was okay today. You know, I was talking to Yannick today. We were, t- we we're talking about um, Hoaglander in particular, of, of his effectiveness in the top six and what keeps guys in there. And, you know, very succinctly, Yannick said, production. Simple as that, production. And, you know, Sam Lafferty, it, it's harsh to say, oh, it's, it's one game where you didn't produce. But, like, that's a standard that happens in the, in the top six and with the Leas Pedersen right now. And it's supposed to be because Michael's spot. If... Lafferty doesn't produce, say, next game, is that the chance for Kuzmenko to go back in there? Because it's it's where he's supposed to play. Now, he's got to play hard and fast like he did today, but if he does it for one more game, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he played there on Thursday with Pedersen. No, I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but I would ima- I, I still think they give Lafferty sure. and, and McKay one more game here. But depending on how the game goes against the Panthers, like, I think we're, it's a, it's a switch away now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas before, it's kind of like, all right. And, and they can change fast. Like all, It can go both ways. I mean, and I want to be clear about this. It's not because you know, Lafferty wasn't producing. It's because it's Kuzmenko was that good tonight. Well, yeah, and if he's going like that, I mean, you, you just can't bury a guy of his caliber when he's going. Yes. And if he's going, you have to give him ice time. You just can't afford not to. And that's what you want to want to see, a guy forcing the issue and and Kuzmenko did. And on that power play goal, Bick, I mean, one thing we've been when we've been asking for him to do more, shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. But be more decisive. How often do you see him get the puck and he holds on to it and he's going backhand, forehand, backhand, forehand, backhand, forehand for like 10 seconds and then finally goes back to Quinn. It's like, what does that do? You know, like, like either make the pass right away or shoot the puck. Be decisive. And he was far more decisive on the power play. And, and we talked about the goal. What about the tip-in chance he had on the power play as well? I mean, it almost went in. Yeah, he winds up taking three shot attempts uh, on this game. Uh, I, actually, speaking of decisiveness, the, the slickness in which the Canucks moved the puck on that. Pedersen to Miller to Hughes yeah. to Kozmenko. It was, you know, down low, up high, out left. And it was very quick. Nobody took any time with the puck. It was on and off really fast. Uh, we wanted to get to this, 650-650, because uh, we haven't had a chance to update it. Uh, I think it was Franco and Burnaby texted this in. I just saw if I lost your text. Uh, yeah. Uh, you guys, do you have an update on the return date for Susie and Suter? Now, Pew Suter skated here recently. Rick Tockett even mentioned he's medically cleared, uh, so he's available to play, but he wants more practices for him before he thrusts him back into the lineup. Carson Soucy, like at bare minimum, you're probably looking until Christmas. Yeah, well, I think we're talking about a few more weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would imagine we don't see Soucy until January. I yeah. think you're hoping early January, maybe more realistically mid-January. That kind of looks like the rough timetable. I think the six-week timeline is Christmas Eve. Yes. And, and they said 68. Yeah. So, and that's being optimistic. Yes. And considering how they've taken their time with guys and now rushed them, want to get them skates and everything, and the Canucks don't play a ton over Christmas, I would imagine we see him in the new year. But 
hey, the Canucks have done a good job in his absence now, the last little bit. Six and four in their last ten. They've won three straight hockey games, and they're at a point where they don't need him right away, but he would be a huge boost when they are able to get him healthy. And Pew Suter might play on Thursday. I think there's a chance he plays against the Panthers. Uh, Greg in Vancouver, do you recall the letter management uh, sent listing players and their commitment to, to said players? Included Ethan Bear, but excluded Brock Besser. Times have changed. That's Greg from Vancouver. That's a great point. And, and things, listen, uh, one of the things that we've talked about a lot, and this is something we spoke about many years ago in the early stages uh, of the ra- this radio station, how realities can change. Mm-hmm. And my favorite example is a player on 2011 team who currently you watch him on Hockey Night in Canada. He scored a huge goal for the Canucks that year, and he was a whisker away from getting traded. Then it all changed. We'll talk about that. We'll break down this game a lot more. We'll hear from Brock Besser. Hat-trick tonight. 21 goals on the season. A 4-1 Canucks victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's Satin Bick right here on Home Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Braden Point just kept it alive for Nick Paul in the high slot. Now to the right circle for Nikita Kucherov. Pass through the slot. Stamkos with a one-timer. Great save by Denko. Rebound in front is cleared down the ice by Neil Zoman. Another spectacular east-west save from Thatcher Denko on Steven Stamkos to preserve the 3-1 lead. Stamkos probably has 100, 150 goals from that spot. That was an incredible save by Denko. Thatcher Demko, magnificent between the pipes for the Vancouver Canucks tonight, helping them win 4-1 over the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the Home Air Canucks Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And there's been some talk about Thatcher Demko and, and where his game has kind of gone the last little bit. Uh, not quite as sharp as he was earlier this season. I think you can chalk a lot of it up to uh, the environment he's also been facing. And that has not just been about, hey, him giving up softies the other night against Carolina. I mean, he gave up some goals, but did he give up a single bad goal? He made a number of big saves. And tonight, uh, I mean, he was back door tapping off the rush. Yeah, it's like, what yeah. else? What are you going to do, right? I mean, that's the only thing that kind of went in. So uh, I thought he was uh, very strong for the team tonight. And when you get that type of goaltending from Thatcher Demko, it, it's a big part of how the Canucks are able to hold on to leads in the third period, improving to 16-0 when having the lead after the first two periods. Make it very difficult for teams. And uh, when Thatcher Demko sees it, he's probably going to save it. And there was plenty of that. And, and even some of the big saves that he did make going post to post, it was because Kucherov was making these absurd passes. Yeah. Like Canucks were in the right spot. And Kucherov is just like tucking it under guys' sticks, through somebody's legs to the the other side and stamp goes there doesn't get all of it because like how is this guy even getting this pass to me and uh it was really more about kucherov uh getting these unbelievable passes setting them up than it was uh the Canucks being poor defensively or anything like that yeah no I, i'd agree with that and you know outside of Pedersen, you know that that first goal gets lost makes mm-hmm. a mistake and it creates a two-on-one chance and, and essentially and, a backdoor and happened. rick talkett even mentioned that hey like the the guys being off ice for a couple of days here was, was that part of the yeah uh rust that they saw early because the first 11 minutes, I thought, were... It felt like it was going to be one of those games. Now, after the the Kuzmenko goal, it really settled everything down, and they were at their best the rest of the way. But early on, yeah, there were some moments where they needed Thatcher Demko and some big saves against Stamkos at the end of the first. 
Oh, no, certainly. And Steven Stamkos coming through uh, with a very, very strong performance overall the last, last little bit. And the Canucks did a very good job of limiting him and the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight in their victory here at Rogers Arena. Uh, a lot of reaction on a text inbox, 650-650. Uh, Jason and Ladner, every young player like Kuzmenko needs to watch Kucherov play. Maybe not tonight, but he's one, one, one to get that low pass in the defensive zone and quick touches to the other players and give the goal all the way up down and ice, up up and down the ice. He's a top three scoring leader in the NHL, power play points notwithstanding. I mean, uh, over the la- last little bit, I mean, he's leading the um, league in scoring right now. Uh, I think the, over the past few years, he's been one of the most prolific scorers in the National Hockey League. Does he get enough credit for being a superstar, Nikita Kucherov? Like, I, I do think he's one of those guys guys that oftentimes gets like we talk about the best players in a league and his name seldom comes up to be honest it's like mcdavid dry nathan mckinnon what about jack eichel austin matthews like it's very seldom his name really pops into the forefront when people are discussing the best and most prolific players in a league which is odd because it's, it's not as if he hasn't gotten his accolades too as well right he would call um, that number one <laughs> bs <laughs> let me just put it that way I mean, you need a torn shirt before you start <laughs> dropping that. Yeah, like he's won an Art Ross. He's won a Hart. He's won a Pearson. Uh, he's, he's gotten his fair share of love. Uh, but, man, he is so good. Yeah, he's He's been absolutely terrific um, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Leads the National Hockey League in scoring. Canucks kept him off the board tonight. JT Miller got two points, narrowing that gap to five between second and the top leading scorer in the National Hockey League. Quinn Hughes, uh, Bick, picked up three assists tonight. Oh, hum. Uh, he's now up to 245 for his Canucks career, which means he is now 45 behind Dennis Kearns for second all-time in assists for Canucks defenseman, who played 677 games. Quinn is at 312 games. And the player who's number one in assists as a Canucks defenseman is Alex Edler, 310. So Quinn would be 55, 65 assists behind him. He's not catching Alex Edler this season, but... But it's in the realm of conversation. I mean, it could happen. Yeah. I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm saying... Most likely, like, game number nine next season. I'm not saying it's it's not... So right now, uh, Quinn Hughes is just over a third of the season in. He's got 30 assists. If he keeps this pace, mm-hmm. like, he might only be a few points off. Now, I don't think he's going to keep this pace and finish the season with 95 assists, although I shouldn't put it past them. But, I mean... You know, he's kind of on pace, what, 88 assists right now? Something, mm-hmm. something absurd along those lines. So that's probably going to come down a little bit. But he's probably going to catch Alex Edler. And by next season, for sure, is going to, and he's going to do so in just over, in less than half the games that Ed- Edler played. Like, Quinn is not even going to get to 400 games before he passes Alex Edler for the Canucks' all-time assist leader for a defenseman. Pretty remarkable. And at this stage... Like, I'd be stunned if he didn't finish top five in Norris voting. Five. Okay. Oh, Norris. I mean, he should probably finish top three with yeah. how he's going right you're, now. You're right. But it would be the first nomination. Yeah. For a Canucks team, man. Nobody's been nominated before. Yeah. What was it? What's the player who had the best vote? You you broke this oh, down. I've, I've looked this up, and this is very imperfect. I'm just going off of, like, hockey references. I, I think it is... Um, uh, Jovo. Jovo is the closest to Canuck. And what did he finish? Like sixth? Um, yeah, I'll have to bring this Or like seventh or something? Yeah. Yeah, no Canuck has ever gotten really close. Uh, he was sixth. Sixth. Yeah, it was uh, Jovanovski in the 01, 02, 02, 03. It was sixth. Did Eric Malik have Eroff like a eighth? Good- did Merrick Malik finish like a. Merrick Malik had a 13th place finish. 13th? Merrick Malik 03, 04. Place. Yeah. Merrick Malik, underrated. Yeah. Uh, all right. And Quinn Hughes has 35 goals in his career, Bick. He's now up to 15th 
all time on the on the Canucks. That, that's one thing we wonder about. Hey, his goal scoring is that every like I don't think there's a doubt that he's going to be a leading Canucks goal scorer too for a defenseman. Yeah. Josh looked at me like, "Wait, he's going to score him?" No, I'm not talking about yeah. you know scoring the most actual goals as a Vancouver Canucks player, but as a defenseman, Edler has 99. Yeah, he's going to rewrite all the like it's it's all yeah. all this stuff is going to be rewritten. It's it's remarkable what Quinn Hughes has done and ho hum three assists tonight. Actually, while we're talking about historical Canucks uh, marks and everything like that, historical marks, <laughs> uh, markers. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, quick sidebar while Big Big laughs. Somebody texted it and said, because uh, we joke a lot, right? We, we do this stuff. Okay. Like we, Two of our favorite words in the office. Mark. Mark and cowards. And cowards, right? So we joke around when we talk about a, somebody who's... Uh, Somebody who's a bit weak in a spot, or you can take advantage of, will joke, call them a bit of a mark, or whatever. Well, that's it is. literally what mark, mark is. Mark it is. Somebody you can yeah. take advantage of. If, right? if, if you ever watch a great heist movie, yeah. it's like who's the mark? Who's the mark? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's the point of, of mark, and we joke around about that word a lot. And the other word we use a lot is cowards. Like, I'll walk into a room, and be like, "Hey, it's a room full of cowards at work," and we call each other cowards. Like, it's, it's a bit, it's an inside joke thing or whatever. From a term of endearment, it, it has. Now on air, we will joke and and call. You know, we'll joke about sarcastically about cowards and going back to the, the 2022 NHL trade deadline and one of my big themes has been not enough trades happen in the NHL mm-hmm. and I talk and I joke about how, how NHL uh, GMs are cowardly compared to other leagues because they don't make enough trades like NHL GMs are so conservative when it comes to making trades now Rutherford and Alvin are a lot different but I remember joking I was joking uh, in 2022 at the trade deadline because barely any trades happen like no no good trades happen almost and I'm like this cowardly league never making trades. And somebody texted in or something and said, about, well, what about JT Miller? I'm like, yeah, Alvin Rutherford, cowards, trade JT. And it was just a joke because, like, I've been – there's tons of videos and clips of me defending JT, saying extend him and keep him or whatever. People don't forget. They don't forget. But the texted in and brought up. It's like, did you remember you calling NHL GMs cowards for not making trades? I'm like, it's a joke. It's just a uh, joke. Anyways, uh, going Go back to historical markers. So, yeah, historical marks. Uh, Brock's got uh, 21 goals, okay? Which is already tied for the 158th best season for goal scoring. For 158. Van- okay, for, for the Canucks. Already at 21 goals. As you, you know, what pace does he put out that you look at and say, can he crack into the top 20, the top 15, the top 10. And just to point this out, Ryan Kessler's 2010-2011 was 41 goals. That that would be tied for ninth with Naslin, Sedin, and Tanti all so, putting up 41. So the most goals scored in a given season by a Canucks player was... Burray was 60. 60. Did it twice. Yeah. Like, he's not getting to 60. McGillney's at 55. Burray at 51. Naslin at 48, Bertuzzi at 46, Tanti at 45, Rhoda at 42. At That's eight. Like, can he clip 42? Does, I think re- I think if we want to be realistic. Does he get a top eight season? Can he get to 42, 45? I mean, I mean right. I mean, right now it almost feels harder not to. I mean, he's on pace for, what, 57? Yeah. Or 58? Now, again, I don't know if he's going to hit that pace. Because it's, it's, it's just such a hot pace that he's off to. But the, he's... He's going to have by far the most prolific season of his career. And, and, and this is, I think, the most encouraging thing, too, is obviously in terms of Brock Besser, not only him having a good year and you're happy for him individually, getting over the hardships and, and, and everything, but he's a player who has never been a point per game guy. And could he finish this year with 40 goals, 80 points, 
Like, he might have the season where we wondered, is he ever going to have a season better than his rookie campaign mm-hmm. when he had 55 points in 62 games, had 29 goals, his best goal-scoring rate of his career that year? And we wondered, maybe that was the high point of his career. And the answer to Would that seems to be a better rate in the North Division year? Not goal-scoring, I don't think. Uh, actually, you're, you're actually factually correct. It was yeah. .89 in his rookie year and .88 in his uh, North Division year. Yeah. Not bad. But Sats on it, man. Point oh one. You're not getting anything past that show. I'm ready to go today, Ooh. man. Primed and ready. Been challenged. On the I was just eyeballing. Out. I was like, I could have told he had 56. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, he, he had 49 and 56. But yeah, yeah not not too bad. But sharp. He's he's rewriting uh, his records and uh, Brock Besser finding another level to his game. Very encouraging and very positive. And he did meet with the media post game. Had a hat trick tonight. The Canucks' best player this evening. And here he is chatting with the media about his evening and the Canucks winning yet another game. Yeah, it feels good. Um, obviously, we lost them earlier in the season, and we need to start stringing some wins together here before Christmas, so um, it's a good, good effort by a group. Brock, JT said this morning that it's not so much about the opposition anymore, it's about you guys. Uh, that's a mat- is that a maturation thing for a team, knowing that if you take care of your own business, you're going to win most nights? Yeah, I think we have to have that mindset, and you know, I think we we're a hard team to play against when we we do those you know those little things right that we always talk about you know chipping the body, breaking out pucks clean, and um, you know I think that gives us offense too. So uh, we just gotta make sure we're doing that each and every night we we have a game. When you see Quinn dip in behind the net, like gun this, your second goal, like what's your thought process there to sort of find the soft ice? Um, yeah, I think just you know I was just kind of scanning the ice and. Saw most guys were, I think, watching Quinn. I mean, he's a hard guy not to, you know. I think we kind of do the same with Cooch when he gets a puck. You kind of just naturally start looking at him and don't scan the ice for guys. So I just thought the high ice was open for a, a one-timer, and it worked out well. Brock, the way you guys played in that game, it's a good team coming in here when you go up and match against them. Rick's talked a little bit about playing Canuck-style hockey. The way you guys played tonight, is that a good example? Uh, you guys want to play? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, we didn't have the strongest first, and we came here and came in here and talked about it. And I thought we were much better after that, um, you know, in the second and third. Was it more about the forecheck breakout? What was it after the first period that you guys changed a little bit or kind of cleaned up? Yeah, I think you know it starts you know defensively, uh, winning board battles, getting the puck out on the wall, breaking pucks out a little cleaner. And I think we did that in the second and third, and we got we got more looks and more chances and more offense. Uh, that is Brock Besser. Three goals tonight, a hat trick, 21 goals on the season. And like this uh, question from uh, Tyler says, are you willing to put a lasagna on the line if he cracks 55? We have Josh Elliott Wolf here who always likes to bet lasagnas. Have you eaten a full lasagna yet after, yet after <laughs> losing a bet? the weirdest thing. I haven't. You I have, have not yet. You haven't lost a bet yet. On, on Josh's uh, Sportsnet profile, it's like, he's worked here for this long and he does this and he bets lasagnas. He bets lasagnas. I think, I think low-key... Josh loves lasagnas, and he's like, I love to eat a whole lasagna to myself. Yeah. He's like, I'm just dying to lose a bet. <laughs> he's just, he's just begging for it. And you know, Brock Buster, somebody texted in earlier too, and, and you know, asked the question, uh, who's reg- uh, you know, who missed out more in terms of uh, Brock Besser teams who didn't trade for him and, and and all that. And he's at a point now where the question is kind of evolving to. Is he a player who's going to stay here long term as opposed to are they going to move him or not? And things can change. And one thing I was kind of alluding to earlier is realities in the National Hockey League can be very fleeting. In pro sports in general, things, I mean, even in life, like things change, right? Oh, we're getting deep. We're, like things change. Things can change in a hurry, right? 
And go back to 2010 with the Vancouver Canucks. They went out and acquired Dan Hamhuis via free agency, and they traded for Keith Ballard. They're revamping their defense after yet another tough loss against the Chicago Blackhawks in the postseason. And there was some thought to maybe it's time to move on from Kevin Bieksa. He had a couple of skate cut injuries. His game was kind of dipping a little bit. He wasn't at the level people were accustomed to. The team felt like they needed a different mix on the back end, and they explored potentially trading Bieksa in the summer of 2010. But what happens? Sammy Sallow tears his Achilles. The Canucks feel like, all right, we have some room. We have LTIR space now. We don't have to make a move for cap reasons. So they put uh, Sallow and LTIR, start the season with Kevin Bieksa as in their top six defense. And the next thing you know, Kevin Bieksa and Dan Hamuse just hit it off. Like, they were one of the best D pairs in National Hockey League, crushing their matchups, excellent playing alongside of each other. They crush it throughout the postseason. Kevin Bieksa scores the goal that sends the team to the Stanley Cup final. He battles, shows a lot of heart, regains his spot on the team, and he gets a five-year extension. Now, he ultimately got traded some years afterwards under a new regime when the team was trying to retool and move forward after uh, you know running through the prime of, of their previous group. But he went from being a player that maybe was a whisker away from getting traded, much like Brock Besser, to signing an extension. And I'm not saying Besser's going to do the same thing as Bieksa and sign an extension and be here long-term necessarily, but realities can change in a hurry. And the thing that changes realities is performance. And if your performance can be a net positive to a team and you show yourself to be valuable, well, a team's going to find ways to keep you instead of trading you. And I think the more Besser does this and the farther he keeps going like this, at some point, the conversation might turn to, does he sign an extension? Does he stay here long term? We'll see if that ultimately happens. It's still early, right? And it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't and he, you know, they, they move him at some point. But I think you have to keep an open mind about realities changing because they have in the past and they will in the future. And Brock Bester has now created the possibility that maybe it does for him. You know, all, all a player can do is push you to a hard decision. Yeah. And... Certainly, as this trends towards the offseason, you know, Brock Besser's making the best case possible uh, for whatever happens next. And, you know, sliding doors moments. Of, yeah. You know, an injury happens here and he bounces back. And it's such is life, Sat. Such is life. Such, we're getting this philosophical. Uh, we are getting philosophical. And a man to put the philosophy and the hockey together is the man we call the triple threat. He came sauntering into the studio ready to go. He has a sheet of paper to look at. You watch him on TV. You read him on digital. You hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. He must think I'm really fast if that was a saunter. (laughs) It was. That was pretty much flat out running. You made it look nice. You made it look graceful. Thank you. It's the suit. Uh, that's what creates the, the illusion. All right, you know what? I'm not going to let you take control and, 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 and veer us off the road here, Ian. It only took, what, four years for you to, <laughs> to rein it in, that to out. finally start reining Ian in. Uh, I mean, let, let's just get right into it. I, I mean, we were just talking about Brock Besser, and you know, somebody messaged earlier and said uh, you know, he went from being a player who was available to pretty much any team. Now, if you were willing to take on the money and give the Canucks something nominal, maybe they would have made the trade. And now he's leading the National Hockey League in scoring goals. And it's at a point now where 
Who knows? Maybe he stays here long term. And I was citing Kevin Bieksa heading into the 2011 season. Canucks go and get Ham Hughes. They go and get Keith Ballard. They almost trade Bieksa in the offseason. Salo gets hurt. He he crushes it with Dan Ham Hughes. He goes off to be terrific in the playoffs. Next thing you know, he signs an extension. And I'm not saying they're going on, on a cup run or anything like that. But realities can't change. And maybe Brock Besser is starting to change his. Man, that was a lot in that sentence. I'm trying to process it all. <laughs> Ham Hughes and Ballard, one of those worked out really Hammers well. Hammers and B- Yeah, yes, one of them did, yes. <laughs> Um, so who's who's coming? Like, what's the analogy? Who's, who's so BX? So Brock Besser may not get traded after all. Oh, and maybe he I signs see. an extension. Because had a great year, and and yeah. we all thought he's getting traded that year, and he ends up or heading into the year at the very least, and he ends up staying. And next thing you know, he signs an extension. All right. Well, you lost me at hello, yeah, but okay. <laughs> it's good. That, it's good that they did not trade Besser last year. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> But you know, as as we talked about on television, it it shows why sometimes you know the best trades are the ones you don't make. Why patience is actually still a pretty good virtue in mm. professional sports, even though we want the immediacy. Win yesterday, uh, and you know, look, franchise hasn't won a cup in fifty two years, so I get it. But look at how different this player is this year from last year. And I loved what I loved what Thatcher Demko said after the game, you know, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And he probably literally means all three because yeah. Brock had to come to some sort of peace with the passing of his father and where he was in his life and and uh, and his game. And he's just he has seemed like an entirely different person and a different player uh, this season than from what he was the the last couple. It's it's kind of funny now how, though, and I wrote about this, um, you know, for years after that 29-goal rookie season, he talked about scoring 30. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the quote before last year, this is the year. Yes. And then he scored 18 yeah. and had just a miserable time in every sense. Um, so now he will not... <laughs> Say a number. You can't. You can't waterboard a number out of him. No. <laughs> yeah. He'll tell you. Every, he'll give you his credit card number before he'll tell you <laughs> what number of goals he has in mind to score. But he did tell me um, after the cameras turned off tonight, and I hung out and, and talked to him for a little bit on my own. He did tell me that he never would have thought that he, he would have twenty one goals in twenty nine games. Whatever the target was. And and you know there may not be a target because he he is he is genuinely committed to this idea of focusing on the process, focusing on all the little mm-hmm. things. And one of the the best little things he did it wasn't so little is when he tracked down Sorelli uh, on the shorthanded yeah. semi breakaway. Like that's a play we wouldn't have seen Brock Besser make. Uh, I don't think it was a play he he could have made because his skating is now better than than what it was. But but. He he did admit that he never thought he'd have 21 goals in 29 games after last season. And, you know, I tried to ask, well, without telling me the number, has it changed what you want for yourself for this year? Has it, mm-hmm. you know, has it raised the ceiling? And he said, you know, his the only thing he's thinking of big picture is, is being in the playoffs and helping the team be in the playoffs. He said he knows that... He's always known that he could score at this level, 
but it felt like there was a barrier there, and mm-hmm. we know what the barrier was. And now that barrier is gone, and we're seeing something. Uh, I don't even want to say it's his full potential. Maybe he's going to get better still. Yeah. But we're seeing a, a player who's so much better than any version that we've seen, including back. I mean, you could go back to the rookie year, and yeah, he, he scored a lot of goals, but his two-way game was nothing like what it is right now. So it's been an incredible transformation for him. It's it's in some ways mirrors the transformation the team has undergone mm-hmm. under Rick Tockett because, you know, here they are uh, after what was supposed to be, well, not supposed to be, it was a slump. It was like four weeks of uneven results mm-hmm. and play. And here they are again, 19-9-1. They're still leading the NHL in scoring. They're fourth in the NHL in defending. They've got the second leading score, the third leading score, I think Pedersen, that's Miller and and uh, Hughes. Quinn Hughes. They've got the leading goal, co-leading goal scorer, Brock Besser. I think uh, Elias is, what, eighth or sixth? He's top ten anyways in scoring. And they have, they have a goalie who's going to be in the Vesna conversation. Yeah. And... Yeah, we still have an awfully long way to go. But we're not talking about 10-2-1. We're not talking about 13 games into the season anymore. On on Thursday, when Florida comes here, it's going to be 30 games. And then they go back-to-back, Minnesota-Chicago, they'll be up to 32 games. So this is a pretty good sample size, and I think they're the real real deal. I'm not saying they're going to Canucks continue and all these individual guys are going to continue on this pace. But this is legit a good team. Kuzmenko. Um, legit a good player. Yeah, and a legit good game. Not even just like, oh, you got a goal, maybe you should bump him up. But is that the type of performance overall that gets you back into the top six? Yeah. Uh, I, I I mean, he did have a lot more intensity to his game tonight, and he was getting, he was getting to pucks, and he was getting to bodies. Like, he was using, you know, his, his weight, mm-hmm. Kuzmenko, to, to bump guys and, and get pucks out. You know, just as uh, I'm sure, you know, Tockett's favorite play by Besser might have been when he tracked down Sorelli. His favorite play for uh, Kuzmenko might have been when he he did the got the back check on on Stamkos, and it looked like there was going to be room there for for Stamkos because Kuzmenko came off the bench and it looked like you know maybe 15 or 20 feet, and he made up that ground. So it, you know that was a good game for Kuzmenko. Now he needs 20 more of these. Right, it, it, and it can't just be once in once in a while. But it was it was a good game for him. Hopefully, this is maybe a turning point. Maybe all this discussion we've had the last couple of weeks has has been his nadir. Uh, I I still think that probably he didn't get enough slack initially after getting hit in the face mm-hmm. with the J T Miller. Uh, slap shot because when you go back and now just look at the chronology, that was really when his his slump began. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hadn't he had struggled to score, but he was still generating offense, was still playing well, was still certainly a top six uh, winger. He gets the puck in the face, he misses one game, he comes back without the bubble, and looks tentative and not involved, and maybe that shouldn't have surprised us in hindsight. So he has three games like that, and now he's a healthy scratch for two games. And now he's completely devoid of confidence. So he's he's been floundering since then. I think this was his sixth game. Maybe it's game seven since his healthy scratch, but easily his best game. But as I say, it can't just 
be, well, this was nice, and now we don't notice them again on Thursday. He needs to start building these games one on top of the other, and if he does, he'll be back up in the top six. Ron in Vancouver texted in and said, if we didn't have so many nice things going on, this would get more attention. Hronik, 27 points in 29 games. He had two assists tonight, a plus three on the evening. It's, I mean, here's a new defenseman playing at a point-per-game pace, and he's barely a mention here tonight uh, on a two-hour post-game show. Well, that, that's, a, that's an excellent point by Ron. By Ron. Good point, Ron, because if Quinn Hughes did not exist, and this would we'd all be sad, <laughs> but... We would be we would be talking about a defenseman almost a point a game well, all the time mm-hmm. because had Quinn Hughes not existed he wouldn't have set the records he would we'd be still talking about uh, the Lidster record and the Dennis Kearns record yeah. and how far ahead of those pace it, that, that that pace Ronick is now so and yeah. how Paul Reinhardt was actually the most talented defenseman the Canucks ever had even yeah. though it was a very brief moment <laughs> yeah it would be it would be an argument. But um, yeah, Ronick is Ronick's having a having a great season. Even Brock, like it's only really the last couple of weeks, I think that that Brock has got the attention mm-hmm. he deserved. He was almost an afterthought. Other than, you know, you start you start with four goals in in game one, uh, that gets a lot of attention. Yeah. But he was quietly just, you know, picking up goals, building a good season. Didn't have the 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 uh, aggregate point totals that a couple of the other guys had. And it was just like he wasn't really mentioned when you when people yeah. were talking about how you know how great Pedersen and Miller had started as the top two centers and what an incredible year Hughes was having and how Thatcher Demko was back. He didn't Brock get as much mention as maybe he should have, but he's certainly getting a lot of attention now. I mean, tied with Austin Matthews for the lead lead. Another thing that no one would have envisioned. Vic, you got something? Oh, I just think we're out of time. But all right. Uh, I was, was going to read this one. Listen, we can go longer. We don't have to let sad. <laughs> That's true. Just That's pump true. the brakes. But I mean, this is your second radio hit of the day. You've been very busy today. Uh, the Jeff Merrick show? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're trying okay. to manage your minutes. We should have well. mentioned national, too. National yeah. radio as well. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Right. Huge. So we're doing this thing on the postgame show now when people text in. Yes. They send in their, like, player type. So they're like, oh, I'm a rangy left-handed demon or something like that, along oh, okay. with their name. Someone send in yours. It says Ian McIntyre, power forward, tall, lanky but coordinated, like a young Malkin. His strengths are words. <laughs> his weaknesses are French hot dogs. That's from Coben and LSR. That's well, good. the strengths and weaknesses are the same, but some would argue <laughs> the hot dog is actually a strength. Yeah. That I like that I like Quebec hot dogs that much. Uh, I I was once, and this for a while, for years, is one of my claims to fame. I once was mistaken for Peter Nedved, <laughs> really? who was who was a tall, thin, yeah. kind of rangy center, and uh, I thought, yeah, I could see that. I just signed my name, anyways. So. Oh. <laughs> Tall, rangy centerman, Ian McIntyre. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can see it. I can see it. Good delivery. Yeah, I'd right. need other people to go in the corners. Hey, well, that's all right. You know, it's, people, it's, a team, it's a team effort, right? That's what you guys are for. Well, at least you pick. I know Sat's not going yeah. in the yeah. corner. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, it depends. Can't get the TV guys all uh, dirtied and 
mucked up in the corners there. No, you can't touch the makeup. You yeah. got to make sure it stays nice and clean. Because <laughs> you guys uh, are on TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for noticing, Vic. Uh, Ian, great stuff as always. Uh, we look forward to chatting with you on Thursday. That's a big game coming up. Now, uh, not that there was pressure. I mean, you want to win every game. You've already won three on this homestand. Now it's a bit of a gravy game. Luongo's in town, Ring of Honor. So we look forward to that game. Can't wait to talk to you about that one post game. And I can't wait to read your latest on sportsnet.ca. Great stuff as always. Read is current too. It's fantastic. Yes. And yeah, stuff on Jim Rutherford the last two days. Make sure to read that as well. Now I'm going to go seek out an overnight radio show now. <laughs> <laughs> Call like, in. I have more takes. Yes. We have to get off. All right. Uh, he he's, needs his hat trick. Yeah, he's Bick Nazar. Back on the People Show tomorrow. Thanks to Josh Elliott Wolf here at the rink and Fast Eddie back at the studio. And thank you all for listening and participating in the Canucks Center Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.